no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, uh, we, the bears are what we thought they were. What, what, what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. Oh! One more time. Oh! One more time. Welcome to the Bear Essentials. On today's show, we break down Bears rookie minicamp and much, much more. A-Dub, what's poppin', baby? Hey, everything's good over here, Prez. Just catched up on some sports, man. Look into that Chris Paul situation. Looks like, you know, he, they played against Dallas Mavericks and one of his couple's relatives were touched by a fan. By a fan. So this is the thing, and I don't want to get too much into this subject because you know our listeners come here to listen to us talk about the Bears. However, audience, I think this is something relevant that A-Dub's breaking up. But... People need to keep their hands to themselves. It's one thing you want to cheer for your team, cool. Maybe you want to boo the opposing team. You want to maybe say a couple things to them. That's fine. But I feel like, man, people now are kind of crossing the line a little bit. I don't want to put this up, but I'm just saying, man, you got the one guy jumping on stage going after Dave Chappelle. Now you got this guy over here harassing Chris Paul's family. Come on, fans. Be better. I'm with you, friends. They got to be better. It seems like this stuff that's been going on all through the NBA all season with the fans getting out of control, the players complaining about them. So fans do better. Got to do better. Well, some of the players in the, in the NBA, they're, they've been frustrated because they're like, listen, these fans, they can say whatever. They can talk crazy to us. We say something back, we get fined. And so right. I do think that the players do have, a, uh, you know, they got a kind of a, a fair point there. However, one thing I will say, though, you're a professional. So at the end of the day, it don't matter really what these people are saying. You still go out there and you do your job. Now, what I will say is, audience, if you guys are ever at a sporting event and you see fans of an opposing team and shit, damn, your own team, and they acting a little out of line, say something. Do something. You know what I mean? I'm with Prez. De-escalation is key. If you're concerned about trying to de-escalate yourself, hey, call security. Let's just make sure everyone leave out safely. Yeah, man, it's just, a, it's just a game. At the end of the day, it's just a game. Let's leave people's mothers and wives and children out of it. If you had a problem with Chris Paul, whoever this person was in Dallas, fine, whatever. But you leave people's families out of it. That's just low to me, and it's just got no place in the game. And, and, and I'm sorry. Like, I've told you many times, Dub, when I've been at these, these games and I see opposing teams, uh, fans there, you know, sometimes I'll have, like, a little smart little remark that I'll say, but I kind of keep it moving from there. I'm not going to sit up here and try to get into a fight with an opposing team. Listen, they're supposed to be a fan of their team. I'm a, I'm a fan of my team. Right. That's the way this shit go. I'm totally with you there, Chris. That's what it is. It's okay to be passionate about your team. You're right, man. Have that passion. Want to see your team do well, but no need to lead to any kind of escalation where someone can get hurt. That or where you're putting your hands on someone, where you're being disrespectful to someone. I can go on and on. But anyway, audience, to our Chicago Bears. Now, on the last episode, A-Dub and I broke down – the Bears draft class, we gave it a B. A.W. had some people talking about your grading skills on, 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 on in our DMs. Kind of made me laugh a little bit. They was like, hey, he's <laughs> giving everybody C's, but he gave him a grade of a B. I thought that was kind of funny. I thought that was kind of funny. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I love that. Hey, listen, A.W.'s a man of accountability. I respect that, y'all. I respect it. But when we were on the show, we were pretty much talking about the fact of, hey, Justin Fields going into the draft, we were hoping that they were going to surround him with some more weapons. 
We know what ended up happening. They ended up bolstering the secondary a little bit. Now, they did do a little bit on that offensive line, and we're going to get into a little bit of that when we get into our Ricky Minicamp talk. But what I wanted to talk to the audience about real quick, though, is when we talk about Justin Fields, we've heard so much this offseason about people talking about how he's mastered the playbook how he's going to be entering a quarterback-friendly system, A-Dub. So I wanted, to, I wanted to hear from your standpoint. Do you think that the situation with Justin Fields not being surrounded by enough weapons is going to be a big issue for him this season? Or do you think that Justin Fields has the talent that he may be able to supersede the situation around him? I think he'll be able to supersede the situation around him, Perez, because I think if you play in a system right away, you give a guy freelance to really do what he does best, I think it probably won't matter that much, right? So – I think it's more about Justin Fields understanding how to be a better quarterback first, really. I think that's the biggest thing right there. As long as he's making progression, that's the most important. One of the things, too, that I still give uh, Ryan Poles a lot of credit for, and we talked about it on the show last week, is the fact that he didn't want to reach on a wide receiver in round two that he didn't think was a good fit for the offense. And so we talked about Vellis, and we talked about Vellis Jones, and we said, ooh, you know, he might be more of like a playmaker type you know, like a little specialty type of piece of this offense. But when you think about Luke Getty's offense, maybe Ryan Pose is on the right track here. Maybe he felt like, hey, we get a Debo Samuel clone in here in this offense and make things a little bit more dynamic. Maybe when you have a guy like Justin Fields, you want to put him in a scheme where you just surround him with speedy weapons. Those kind of things. So you got to have the right pieces around the right that will also fit the chemistry of this team. Well, like as of right now, though, we talked about it. Darnell Mooney, Byron Pringle, and now Vellis Jones Jr., those are your top three wide receivers on the depth chart. And I will say, for a lot of Bears fans, that's not inspiring a lot of confidence. Audience, I'm with A-Dub. I think we got a guy like Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields, just because of the type of player he is, that type of athleticism, I guarantee you, I think we're going to see a side of Justin Fields that we did not see last year on the Mad Nag in, in that damn system that they were running last year, or their lack of. Right, right, right. What they know with Justin, and – and I talked about this a lot last season on the show, cutting down on those turnovers, right? Yes. Protecting mm -hmm. the football. Those are going to be things that's going to be paramount for him going into this upcoming season, really prioritizing that. I mean, we've heard so much about people saying that his offseason work, he's been working to get the ball out a little more quicker. And I right. think that was something that a lot of people, they were picking apart with his game as well. They were saying, hey, Justin's holding on to the football too well. Well, it looks like he realizes that he needs to do some work on that too. So the work that he's been doing with his quarterback coach, he's been prioritizing that. Absolutely, Preston. I think from you and I talking about, it's more important that he make those kind of progressions forward than we're talking about getting a wide receiver. That's a threat threat like that. I think it's all about Justin Fields, really. If this kid can continue to grow. Which we're going to get into later with A.W. is mentioned at Fantasy because there's still some viable options at, at wide receiver that are still remaining in that um, free agency class. And so I do want to touch on that before we get out of here. But back to Justin for a quick second. One of the things on tape that you see with Justin from last season is just there was a lot of times that you didn't see he was anticipating his throws. And what I've been watching for some of the videos that have been available to us online with his new delivery, it looks like those are some of the things that he's really working on. And when I saw his new delivery, I said, man, that thing is nice. He's getting that ball out a lot quicker, a lot crisper of a throw. So those are the things that give me a lot more confidence in Justin Fields here in year two. Because last year, we know what that situation was. He wasn't put in the best situation to succeed. We don't have to belabor that point. Right. But we know now that he's going to be in a system here that's going to probably utilize his skills a lot better. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that part, Chris. Because, I mean, Money Moon talked about it already about 
how crisp those uh, throws are coming out. He's much more on target. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a lot of good things happening with those guys putting their work together. So, and Money Moon worked with them last season. He can see the difference, right? That, hey, this guy is making progress. So that's always a good sign when you hear about Justin Fields and what he's doing. And also gets he's talking a lot of great things about him too. So it just shows you that this kid is putting a lot of work into what he's doing for his end. Yeah, one of the things that you've heard Matt Eberflus talking about with this offensive system, he said it's a rhythm and a timing type of offense. So with Justin doing that work on the side to ensure that he's getting the ball out quicker, if that's the type of system he's going to be playing in, well, it's going to be paramount to make sure his release points are in a place where it complements how this offense is going to be run. Also, when you think about the type of weapons that he has, you got to make sure that those type of weapons complement the type of system and scheme that they're going to be running. So we know what we're going to get with a Darnell Moody. Byron Pringle, we know from Phil what he brings to the table. We don't yep. know what he's going to be able to do here in this particular offense. Same thing with Velas Jones. So my whole thing is, if this is a if this is a rhythm and time in offense, then expect a lot of short type throws. And hopefully, what it looks like is this, this scheme they're going to be looking for a lot of yards after the catch. And that was something that we did not see a lot of in the offense last season. Yep, Chris. I think you talked about Velas Jones, man. What he can bring—that's some of the elements, right? That you talked about on our last episode of a guy yep. like him and. On this roster right now, Chris, he's probably the only one of his kind that can do those things, you know, in the short. So, therefore, it makes him in a better situation to be better, right, going forward. Because do you think? Well, and we'll see. Because, like I said, at the the same time, though, we're still talking about a 25-year-old once the season starts wide receiver. He's still learning that position. However, to the point where you were going down that path, I think it's true to say Yes, they don't have that type of skill set in that in that wide receiver room with what he brings to the table, speed and the home run hitting ability and so forth. I know Darnell Mooney's that guy, but I think Velas Jones probably has a little bit more speed, probably a little bit more of a dynamic athlete than Darnell Mooney. However, yeah. when you look at this all, all together, though, Velas Jones also can learn a lot from Darnell, Darnell Mooney as far as route running because that's yeah. one of the things you and I talked about a lot with Darnell Mooney. I mean, look at the work that he put in with Allen Robinson when Allen Robinson was here. They worked together a lot. So a lot of that, I think that Darnell Mooney can now pass down to Velas Jones. And I think that's something I haven't heard a lot of people speak on. I think that can help that kid as he transitions to the NFL. Absolutely. One thing about Muddy Moon, he learned how to be a pro. And you're right, that kind of knowledge, that skill, you know, that you learned to pick up from other veterans, you can pass it down with you, Press. So, hey, we'll see how that translates. But I think Velas Jones, you know, in a decent situation, Press. Yeah, I mean, and look, when Darnell Mooney came here, when Darnell Mooney came here to Chicago, I mean, he had players ahead of him on the depth chart, and he took Anthony Miller's spot. You, you <laughs> talked about that at nausea, right? But what, did Darnell Mooney, but what did Darnell Mooney come in here and do? He mastered the playbook, kept his head down, and put together good practice after good practice. And so that is the example that's been set here. So I hope Velas Jones comes in here and sees that example that's been put down and kind of comes in and follows that, that, that uh, blueprint. And that's a good blueprint because the guys we just talked about, Perez, Justin Fields, Money Moon, these are guys who put in work, hardworking right. guys who want to get better. So if you want to play Bellis Jones, take it from those two guys. There's a couple of things that kind of popped in my mind and I want to kind of get your thoughts on because you and I, when we did our draft recap episode, we talked about all the various offensive linemen and kind of where they're going to play. So going into mini camps. That was something that was kind of top of mind for me because Ryan Poles, while he did a great job of getting some diamond and the rough type players in here, when you looked at the current mix of offensive linemen with what he added, you got a lot of question marks. Yeah, a lot of question marks, of course, on that offensive line for sure, Perez. 
because you wonder like if you get the right ones, get the right guys who can come in and really help just the field. So that's going to be like you and I talk about. It's going to be a prime position, Perez. Uh, th- this is what it's all about, protecting Justin Fields as well, uh, along with the, having a good offensive um, scheme. So I think the guys they brought in will hopefully will be the ones to push each other, right? Because look at it this way. No one would have thought that the Bears were going to get four new offensive linemen in the draft, and that's what they did. Yeah, I think the biggest thing heading into that minicamp was, all right, where the hell are these guys going to play? And if any of these guys have a chance to win a starting job over the course of the summer, because you know what I said last week. There was a lot of people like, man, you, you really think that? I said, yeah, I really think that Braxton Jones has a chance to start. But you had him that was at it, Zachary Thomas, Jatiah Carter. I mean, these guys all primarily played left tackle in college, right? Right. And then also, too, Doug Kramer, who came in here, you know, who, who they brought in. So now when you look at this situation, all right, so I think that the Bears view Carter as a guard, so he'll probably get kicked on the inside, right? But between right. Jones and Thomas – are either those guys going to take reps on the left side? Because we still don't really know that just from the rookie mini camps that kicked off. But that's just something I'm really curious about. Where are these guys going to line up? Shit, where's fucking Borum and Jenkins going to line up? When it's all <laughs> yeah, sometimes you you get you're happy with uh, Ryan Poles. We talk about versatility of the team, but you also like I don't know what you're going to do with the line. I mean, who's going to go where? That's the one thing out of mini camp. Like you said, we didn't hear much about. So I'm wondering, man, who's the standout? Who's the guy that's leading the way, Press? Who's leading the way right now? We know Barham and, you know, and your boy um, Chica's got the chance to do it first, right, to start there first. But another thing is, okay, if those guys are going to be where they at, Borum going to be on the right or left or left, and then uh, Chica's going to be on the right, are these other guys are showing us that they are good depth pieces. So we haven't heard about that. Who's standing out from that? Yeah, I think what I'm kind of thinking when it comes to that situation, yes, we don't know if Borum's going to stand right, if he's going to get moved to left, if Chica's is going to go to right. But also – our starting right guard right now, as of the last mini camp, was Sam Mustafa. Now, I'm not going to try to pick on him because you guys <laughs> know I said a lot about him last season at center. But my whole thing is, if that's who your starting right guard is right now, I think that's a position that you could rightfully say there could be some competition for Sam Mustafa this summer. I mean, I don't think that's me just being an asshole. I think it's no, rightfully not. say that I think one of these rookies potentially could be moving into the right guard spot and him and Sam Buster can compete for that starting job. Hey, man, hey, look, let the competition begin, Perez, because, hey, somebody got to take that role, but you're right, you got to earn that role. We're going to fight pretty hard for it. So, you know, at the end of the day, man, that's what it's all about, the fact that the challenge is out there, man, and I'm hoping one of these guys can show us that they really earn it. Yeah, and then also, too, the only other thing that kind of popped in my head, and we talked about Velas Jones a little bit, but also Tristan Ebner. I'm kind of curious to see how he's going to be utilized or what the vision that Getty has for him in his offense because that's another explosive piece that I like that we added to the mix there. If he can provide something vital, vital to this team, man, that creates a different element. And that's what it's all about right there, man. Moving forward, Brent. Like I said, it's no secret that the Bears need to inject a little bit more of that playmaking aspect of things to that offense. You know, because like I said, Darnell Mooney was really the only true playmaker that we had. Allen Robinson had offseason. When we think about Allen Robinson, Allen Robinson was more of a possession-type receiver. But yeah. when you look at some of the weapons that they brought in their draft, like I said, with Abella Jones, with a Tristan Ebner, I really like that Ebner pick a lot because I think that he's going to bring something to this team, like we mentioned in the last episode, that you didn't have in that running back room. And like I said, it'll be really key to see when the, the veteran mini camps come up. And when the Hallis Hall training camp stuff pops up, how Lugetti incorporates this kid into the system. 
Now that's going to be very interesting. So while mm -hmm. Mellis Jones, I think, yeah, could be a, a nice piece, I'm very much more intrigued by Ebner because I think he's got a position. I mean, he has the potential to really be utilized all over the field of this system. And I think that's something Bears fans for us to be excited about and to kind of pay attention to this summer. Oh, yeah, definitely, Perez. I, I, I like him, man. I think uh, Tristan Kim can be that guy, man. It's just that, you know, sometimes, Perez, you wonder, like, you know what, what's the plan? You show everyone that, hey, I'm earning this. I'm taking this, right? So I think a guy like him does have that kind of – I think the there's enough of that football to go around. And, and like I said, in that running back room right now where you got the best one-two punch in the league with yeah. Montgomery and Herbert, mm -hmm. I mean, come on now. I mean, you ain't going to find better running backs than those two guys – but I still think there's snaps in that system for an Abner. Even yeah. if you put him, even if you throw him into the slot, you know what I'm saying? There's yep. all kinds of ways you can utilize, utilize this kid. That's true, Chris. And I think Gessie's the one. I'm thinking about it now. Why <laughs> you not talk this through? I think Gessie can find a way for him, Chris, to get him on the field and utilize some of that explosiveness, man. Because I think that's something you just don't keep sitting on the bench too long, man. You got to use that at some point. And I think he could no. get what's supposed to. No, there's no way you keep that type of athleticism yep. and explosiveness on the bench. And like I said, I'm sure they didn't show much in the rookie minicamp on how they're going to utilize him, but I guarantee you we're going to get like little glimpses of it over the course of the summer at Howard's Hall. Yep, well-deserved. I mean, the kid's going to show us, man, and he's earned. He's going to earn it. Yeah. Now, speaking of the rookie minicamp itself, we know that there was a special guest there, Charles Peanut Tillman, and how much A-Dub of you and I talked about on this show how – Matt Eberflus has done a tremendous job of reaching out to that Bears alumni and wanted to reconnect and reunite with them. And the fact that he put his money where his mouth was by having Charles Peanut Tillman come out for the day one of the rookie mini camp, bro. I love seeing that and love the fact he's going to be around. Those, he was around those young, talented players. Man, that's just dope right there, Perez. You and I say talk about it a lot, man. And I'm just proud of Tillman, Perez, the, the, the one to come in, share some of his knowledge, Perez. And they talk about how much passion he is about the Bears and what it means to be a Bear Prez and what it means to be, you know, an NFL pro, you know. So he shared a lot with that team, man. Those guys in general, Prez, the alumni, they got a lot to offer. And the fact that these players on the team look up to them and be are, are amazed to see those guys and listen to what they, what they got to say, man, that's important. So seeing Tillman show up, Prez, he didn't just show up. He made an impact. Yeah, because what, what what was the biggest thing that they said that he said to those rookies? So they asked a couple of the rookies, and they said his message was simple. It was just about the significance of being a member of the Bears and what it means to everybody. And right. you and I talk about that so much on this show, of how this reputation is one of the founding charter members of the NFL. The Chicago Bears have so much history associated with it. It's, there's a tradition here. And I think it's important for these young rookies to understand that. That's why I thought it was a mistake for past regimes not to have the alumni come there to be able to relay that message to the players. They need to see that. They need to see greatness come in there and speak to them. And when you look at a guy like Peter Tillman, he personified that defensive back position. He changed that position forever. Yes, he did. And the peanut punch is just famous for his around the world. Everyone knows that, man. So it's like, look, Peanut made an Im a impact, man, on the game. So we got to respect that. And I think you talked about past regimes, man, how they did not do a good job of respecting, you know, uh, the, the former players. I think all that stuff is important, man, because it's a lot of value in that. It's a lot of value, man. And, and the thing is, when these players, rookies, see the Tillman's of the world, Perez, it sends a message, a positive one at that, that, hey, I am proud to be a bear. And that passion that comes out of those guys' eyes for being on that field and putting that game, putting that, um, 
putting their life on the line every day, friends, to be better, to be great. That is important, extremely. Yeah, you know what the funniest part about it was? Matt Ibafu said, he told Charles Tillman to pass the word around. He said, talk to those guys, let them know. He said, <laughs> he said they're welcome to come in here. And I think, man, that's really cool because I want to see more of that. I, I Like I said, yeah. you know I'm at Soldier Field for all those home games. And yep. I see the alumni when they come in there and everybody give them a standing ovation. But it felt like so... It felt like they were so disconnected with the organization. It yeah. seems like Matt Eberflus is trying to fix that. And I'm glad he is, man, because you're right, Chris. They should be look, looked upon that way, man. Like, hey, like they they deserve it, right? I think those kind of guys who put on the line and that, that put that much work into this city, that soul into it, man, they deserve that respect when they come to a game or even just come to speak to players. Give them their respect. I thought that that was really cool to have him cover there because – well, you think of the rookie mini camps. I mean, it's, it's day one. A lot of these guys, they don't know the system. They're new to everything. And it's going to be sloppy. And I think having a guy like that kind of comes in, gives those guys a little bit of confidence, right? It yep. steals a little bit of that pride in the organization in them. But it also, too, I think it's important. It kind of kind of level sets for these guys what the standard is, what the expectation is. And I think that's really cool. That sets the tone for day one of a damn rookie mini camp to have a Bears legend come in and speak to them. Huge, huge, huge. You're right about that, Fred. It's one thing to hear the coach. It's another thing to see somebody who did it at a high level. Another thing. Because it all comes down to these rookies understanding a couple key things. Can you practice the right way? You don't know how these players practice when they were in college. Now, a lot of times these guys are probably just super talented guys that don't understand it. There's another level. When you're in the right. NFL, it's a way different level than playing in the Big Ten. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, it is. And I think these guys are learning that. Also, too, understanding tempo. Now, one of the things, too, from our time watching pro practices, but also watching college practices, the one thing that I can tell you, the big difference that I've seen in the Bears practice, even under Mad Nagy, was the tempo, how they move them from station to station. That's something that these rookies have to get used to. And I think, and you add to that, press, I think it's a different level of intensity, too, right? That comes with it as well. Yeah. Because those players don't play no games, man. None at all. Now, one thing that we did see, because audience, obviously, A-Dub and I, we weren't privy to the rookie Benny camps. We will be at Hallis Hall covering those practices daily this summer. But we really, our insights mostly came down to the videos that the Bears put out there on their uh, on their Bears Twitter account. So the highlights that they put out there is pretty much all we have to go by. And then some of the updates that went out. So one of the things that we understand, A-Dub, is that Kyler Gordon, he got a little banged up in, in the first day of practice. That's kind of what came out. Matt Ibafu said it was some cramps that he had. Yeah. But I think Peter Tillman's presence definitely helped things out a lot because that Bears defense, what I understand in that practice on Friday, they forced a lot of turnovers. Ooh-wee. I should show you Peanut Tillman to pump some players up, Chris. Hey, got them ready for that practice, man. That's dope right there. You get things like that. Well, because what we talked about, we talked about Tristan Ebner. He coughed the ball up because Charles Snowden, I heard, stripped him in 11-11 drill. So right there, you see the impact of a guy like Peanut Tillman coming into that practice, and you got guys that are coming in there with that philosophy and that mindset. And you know, Matt Eberflus, that's what he's all about. He wants to get that football out. Yes, he does. Strip that ball, pick it up, hey, run it back. <laughs> you know, but that's all about getting those turnovers, Perez, and making it a religion. And also, too, back to Velas Jones. Matt Eberflus had some really good things to say about him and his work and said that he's going to be really excited 
for Luke Getz's plan with him. And so I really think, A-Dub, that they really like that weapon and what he might be able to do in this offense. Yeah, they do, Prince. You know what's crazy when they said about this guy, man? They say he brought his own whiteboard, man. Already getting yeah. prepared, brought his own notes, man. I'm like, this kid is already saying, look, I got to earn everything I'm going to get on this level, man. If it's a new level for me, I got to show these guys that I'm ready, man. And um, coming in that way, focus, friends, it just shows that this kid, man, really wants to try really hard, man, to make a name for himself. Yeah, I thought that was really cool about the whiteboard and the fact that Iberflus said, man, the kid came in with great energy, caught the ball well. That was yep. the thing that I was concerned about because, as I've talked about, he's not a polished wide receiver yet. But the fact that they say he came in, caught the ball very well, I love that. They say he played on the inside and the outside of those rookie mini caps. So that's really cool because now that's just another weapon that you're seeing is going to be able to play all over the field. That's all good to see, Perez. I mean, this kid trying to evolve, trying to show us what he can do, right, first of all. But I think the other thing is, hey, how much he's going to develop, right, in those areas that we were concerned about. So I like the fact that he's putting that work in, coming in, showing us some good signs. And uh, I hope he stays at it, Perez. I want to see the guys succeed. Yeah, so that's one of the guys that I'm really going to be, I'm really going to be keeping my eye on because I really want to see what type of plans that Luke Getzey has for him. Because like I said, we've heard so much about Getzey's plans for Justin Fields, but I'd be curious to see, okay, what's his plan for Monday Moon? What's his plan for Avellis Jones? Like, I want to see how he's going to be playing to get the ball out to these certain guys on this team. So that's going to be really key. And I can't wait to kind of see a little bit of those practices at Howard's Hall to see how everything unfolds. Yes, sir. I'm with you. Now, some of the guys that they said they were really impressive over the course of the practice, obviously, we talked about Velas Jones a lot. He was very impressive. They said Kyler Gordon was very impressive over the weekend, and also Jaquan Brisker. And on our last episode, we talked about the fact that Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker are probably going to be day one starters here in this defensive scheme. And it was really cool to see that those guys came out there and did what they had to do in practice this weekend. Oh, yeah, it's definitely really good, Perez, because these two guys, man, that I know – we're all a high on, right? They have a lot to offer this team, man, and that secondary. And send them be able to a good start with their presence on the field, you know, working pretty hard, man, putting the work in as well. It just sends a good message, the fact that, hey, we got the right two guys on defense, friends, <laughs> and that secondary, man. So I'm kind of happy about that. And I'm looking forward to seeing those two dudes when we get to Alice Hall, man. For sure. Those two, are, and, and, and I mean, a lot of these guys, even, I mean, even some of the undrafted guys, because – I heard that some of those guys made a really strong impression because you saw some guys that came in there, or we heard about some guys that came in there that earned themselves some contracts. And uh, I think that's going to be really important to see how these guys come in and add a nice little competitive balance to the mix of guys that got drafted in the 2022 class. Oh, yeah, I think that's a good mix, Perez. You talk about the, those who were um, undrafted because it just shows you about a Ryan Post type of guy. It's like, look, look. The door is open, right, for anyone who wants it in a way, right? You just got to prove yourself, man. It doesn't matter what you get drafted at. It's all about, hey, are you prepared to play in the NFL, man? And you're going to put that work in to get better. And the fact that we have that kind of mix like that, Perez, of guys who are undrafted, they feel like they have a whole lot more to prove, right, because, hey, of where they, where they were at. So the fact that they got a chance and now they're going to execute on that chance, man, I can't give a salute to those guys. Yeah, and I think that that's all you can ask someone to do. You give them an opportunity or you give them a chance. Yep. And some people, they have to take that opportunity because they they signed a lot of UDFAs uh, after the drafts. And a lot of those guys, we saw that they ended up cutting. And some of these guys that they brought in on a trial basis took those guys' spots. So that gives you an insight into the competition of what they're going to be bringing to this organization. Other polls and Matt Eberflus, they want a roster of guys that are ready to come in here and compete. 
and they left nothing on the table press pretty much like, you got that many people you're looking at it's like wow you're really doing your homework press. that's a lot of folks man i'll tell you who's trying to make a name for themselves and get a roster spot so you got to salute brian poles and the staff man for putting a lot of work into it and um you know giving like i said people a chance man to try to to, to separate themselves. The only thing I wish I had more insight on, but we're going to dig into it as this offseason progresses. I just want to see the plans for those offensive linemen that I brought up. That was one of my key storylines heading into the rookie minicamp. I want to know where these guys end up, who ends up getting moved inside, who stays outside, what happens with Borman Jenkins. Like I said, there's a lot of questions on that offensive line, and I'm hoping that we get a little bit more insight on those things as we get a little bit closer to Hallis Hall and training camp. That O-line is a key, Chris. You're right about that. Now, one thing, A-Dub, before we get out of here that I feel like we did not talk about in our draft episode is the fact that a Bears scout, and this was a very controversial take that he had, he made a comment about Jaquan Brisker that I thought kind of came off a little insensitive, especially in this climate that we're in today. He said, we call him a PhD. He said, poor, hungry, and desperate, that football is his life. Now, Jaquan Brisk was asked about that comment at the rookie minicamp. He kind of brushed it off, and I thought that he handled that very well. But what I would say is when I hear stuff like that, I think it's very important for scouts to just really understand what they're saying, the power of language, and don't use the coded language like that. Don't say that somebody is desperate, poor, hungry. It's like, hey, there was another way to say that. You could have just said, hey, look, this kid loves football. This kid has a why. Because when I talked about him on the previous episode, what did I say? I said how he's playing for his brother, how this shit matters to him. Right. There was never any words that I said that this kid was poor, hungry, and desperate. See, when you say stuff like that as a scout, it kind of puts that perception out there that you're not viewing this person as a human being. You're only viewing this person as what they can do for you on the football field. And I think that's very dangerous language, and I just didn't appreciate that. But I thought that Jaquan handled it well. He kind of brushed it off. But he's better than I am because I did not like the comment, and uh, we should have discussed it on the last episode. But here we are. We're still bringing it up today, audience, because I thought that it's very important to make sure when you are a scout with these guys, especially – when it comes to players, it don't have to just be an African-American athlete. It can be an athlete from any sort of background. But you got to be careful with how you categorize the people's past and what they've gone through. Because I just didn't like that. It just didn't come off very well to me. Uh, Prez, I second what you just said there, man. It, you know, it's all facts, what you just mentioned. And you're right. They got to be careful what they say, man, these scouts. Um, words do matter. They really do, right? Especially how you use them definitely has impact, too. Right, negative or positive. In this case here, negative impact. Um, the player took it very well, like you say, Perez. But I think the long term, man, is that when you describe these players, you just got to be careful, man. I'm with you there. And I just hope that this guy learns from it, like making those kind of comments. Because I do agree from the standpoint that this kid's a football head. He loves it, right? But you got to describe it in a better light. So these are not animals. These are human beings. Got to be careful. Right. You could just say, hey, he's a tough, hard-nosed kid, which I think he did go on to say part of, but he, yeah. he made that weird PhD remark that he could have just kept to himself. So Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That was the killer right there. It's like, you had some good stuff to say, man, but you just pretty much hijacked your own message when you said the PhD thing. Yep, exactly. So we know now with these rookies, they're going to get their chance to meet with the rest of the organization or with the rest of the team. For OTAs starting uh, March 6th, uh, May 16th, May 17th, and then continuing on a little bit later in the month. So, 
we have a lot of time that we'll be able to get a better understanding of how bad Eberflus wants to utilize this team, how some of those weapons on the offensive line are going to be utilized, his plans for Avellas Jones Jr., his plans for Tristan Ebner. So we're going to get a little bit of more clarity on a lot of this stuff as all of the team starts to meet here later in the month. Sir, A-Dub, before we get out of here, now we know that this roster is far from a finished product. So I feel like now we're like in that third wave of free agency. Ryan Pohl still has a chance here to address some positions that I think need some attention following the draft. And I know that I've been speaking highly of Vellis Jones Jr. I still think that wide receiver room, A-Dub, can use a lot of work. I think they can use a lot of work at the linebacker position and also think on the defensive line. Are there any guys that you saw out there that's available that you think, hey, Ryan Pohl should be on the phone with and essentially be looking at breaking in here? Man, I still think Landry. It's still out there. We can use that guy on the wide press, wide receiver. Yeah, yeah I Jarvis think he's, Landry for sure. Jarvis yeah. Landry. I think he's got a lot of tools. I still think he has something left in the tank. A guy like that could fit any system, really, press, because he don't have the problem of adjusting, man. He really doesn't. And I think with this kind of roster we have right now, he could probably be a reliable receiver in his group here. So I thought a guy like him, not sure about what the money Big Larry was still out there. Any chance you think they may take a, a flyer on him on a one-year deal, potentially? You know what, man? <laughs> Look, a one-year potential press wouldn't be bad at all, man. I think it makes sense. I'm not sure with Pulse. You know, we know what happened there with the physical situation that happened on the long-term deal, but you never know. Hakeem Hicks, what you think about that? He's still out there and available. Man, look, man, bring his back. Like you said, it could be a short-term deal, man. Maybe a well, one-year no, deal. Would only be a, it would only be a one-year deal if they do. Deal would make sense in Chicago. You know how the fans live out Hicks, man. We love him. You know, so I still think he got something left. What about Will Fuller? That's a name that I'm kind of thinking about now. I know that he can't stay healthy. I know audience, audience, before you guys kill me, listen, we're not talking about <laughs> speed, dynamic options in this offense. Will Fuller, that's all he does is bring speed to whatever lineup that he's a part of. I know he can't stay healthy, but that's someone that I looked out there and I said I would not mind him potentially coming here and getting signed. Man, you're right about that speed, that press. That guy can fly, man. So he, he could he could come in and be dynamic, though. He really could. But I think you hit it on the head, though, man. It's the help piece, though, Press. The help. I guess he's a guy that knows how to use a player like him. You know what I'm saying? So having him come with his team, I think he could give us something. And I'm thinking about linebacker, former Bear Nick Kukowski. Now, he was a guy that they ended up letting move on from the organization when they re-upped Danny Trevathan. This is a guy that's available right now. And we know Nick he, he played pretty well for the Bears when he was here. And I think that that's a name that I would not mind coming here at that linebacker position. He gets it here, Perez. He understands the culture. He understands the dynamic. This is a guy I understand what Bear Nation is all about. No, I, I think that he would be perfect uh, in, in this type of system, in this type of uh, defense. I think he would be someone that would be very much, but very much needed. But also, too, you'll probably have some people that are listening to this show. They're like, hey, well, Perez and A-Dub, the Bears could probably use some help in offensive linemen and maybe an offensive tackle type of position. And I say, yeah, maybe so. You know, maybe they could look at bringing in somebody like a Dwayne Brown. Now, I know it depended on what his salary demands may be, but he's someone yeah. that's out there. It's only in case Ryan Poles isn't sold on either Jenkins or, or Borum. So the whole situation is we don't even know what Poles is thinking right now. <laughs> you know what? That's the one thing I will say, though, man. He's doing his homework. That's one thing I will say I'll give him credit for. So. Odell Beckham, what do you think? He's not, but I'm just, I'm just saying, is that someone that you would take a flyer on? Maybe if you sign him to like maybe a two-year deal with the idea of knowing that he may not be available this season, 
for someone that you maybe want on your radar or your team for next year? For next year, I definitely would think so, man. I think he's a guy who could come and help our – matter of fact, our wide receivers. I mean, it's knowledge. He has a lot of knowledge for us, really. The guy's done it at a high level, won the chip. You know how it goes. So it's like, man, why not? You, you need championship type of guys you know, who understand what it takes to get to that point. And I think he has that in him, man. I think he's also been changed. He's a changed guy. He doesn't go off like he always done the past for us. Talking crazy in the media, man. He kind of slowed down a lot. So he's becoming more of a professional player in the way for us to where now it's all about winning and playing hard, man. And I think he could come in and help us out in different dynamics, not just on the field, but off the field. Yeah, it's maturity, right? And that's yep. what happens. You know, he's matured as a player. Uh, I wouldn't mind that either. I don't think it's going to happen, but I thought it was intriguing when I saw his name on the list. I said, well, I wouldn't mind that. Odell Beckham still. I mean, you saw what he did with the Rams. He was explosive in that offense. Ooh. I mean, he was making plays. Man, he was a weapon, bro. I can't even lie, man. I was like, Poof, Odell Beckham, <laughs> man. I can do nothing but salute him, man, for what he's accomplished uh, accomplished uh, with, with that team last season. So good for him. But I hope he lands somewhere where he feel like he's, you know, getting the money he deserves and, um, and feeling comfortable with that situation. So, but it would be nice to see him in the, in the Chicago Bear uniform. I ain't going to lie on that. I mean, yeah, for real. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate that idea one bit at all. Like you said, the key thing with him is health, and that's the thing. We're talking about a lot of those guys that I threw out at you, especially with a big Larry, Odell Beckham. comes down to health. Is he healthy? That's it. And so my whole thing is I know Ryan Poles isn't done with his roster, and I just hope that he finds some way to bring in another receiver. I hope he finds, the, 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 I hope he finds it in him to bring in another linebacker. Because that would make me very happy about this team headed to some of these OTAs and also the voluntary camp is going to be coming up here in late, uh, late May, early June. I understand, Prez. I'm with you there, man. One, no big, big contracts out there like that. Whole idea. He's preserving that salary cap for next year. I mean, they they've cleared the deck for next offseason. They're going to have so much cap space available, and I like that. He's done a really good job with that. But what I'm thinking of with just some of these guys that I'm throwing out here to you right now. I just think one-year deals with these guys. None of these guys are going to cause us to have to jeopardize or mortgage the future. But right. I think it would be really intriguing to bring a couple of these guys in here. And Akeem Hicks is a guy that understands that Bears uh, lineage, the tradition, the passion. And I just wonder what his market value is. Because if it's somewhere close, bring him back home. Hell yeah. Because like you said, Press, he is still out there in his man. It's like, whoa, no one's buzzing. Quick. Let's see what that what that, that salary looked like for us. Let's see what's going on, man. Make a few phone calls. I, I, the thing is, I won't be shocked that Ryan Poles already made a phone call to him already, you know, to check in and see what's going on. So, you know, I won't be shocked because they know the guy history here in Chicago, what he means to be a bear that we talked about. So, hey, if we can bring Hicks back, let's bring him on back. Yeah, my, our only thing with him was just he wasn't able to stay healthy the last couple of years. But, man, that guy in that locker room – I just love Hakeem Hicks. Like, and I love what he represents and what he brought here. And I know that's me being emotional about the player, but I honestly would hope they find a way to bring him back. I really do. And I love his passion too, Chris. I know you do as well, man. When he's on that field, you can see it, man. He loves it. That's where he belongs, man. I just hope that we do bring him back. If that's the opportunity there, for a chance to bring him back for us, I just hope that he remains healthy, man. And that's a big key that you and I talk a lot about. Yes, sir. Well, we'll see what happens here, audience. As you guys know, A-Dub and I are going to keep you guys updated on any and everything that we know about this team in our thoughts and our observations. And we'll be definitely making sure we keep you guys in the loop as OTAs come up. And obviously, we're going to be your go-to place during the summer of Hallis Hall practice because we will be there in the building. So we're not going to be getting information secondhand, thirdhand. It's going to be our own observations. That's what I like right there, Chris. 
I trust us. Yes, sir. Audience, we appreciate your continued support of the show. We're the Bear Essentials, and we are out.